Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangely. With me as always, my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. It is Thursday, October 27th, and today we're having what I'm calling our Tangentially Connected to Politics podcast. Uh, We're going to start by talking about Megyn Kelly's contract negotiations with Fox News, and then we're going to turn to talking about believing in literally made-up conspiracy theories. Uh, So, Chris, let's start with Megyn Kelly's uh, Fox News contract. So, Megyn Kelly is a popular anchor on Fox News. Uh, The most popular article in the Wall Street Journal today was discussing Megyn Kelly's contract negotiation with Fox News. Her contract ends in July. She's currently making about $15 million per year. She's negotiating for over $20 million per year, which would put her on par with Bill O'Reilly, who's kind of synonymous with Fox News. Uh, And the article mentions, you know, if the contract talks fail, the rumor is both CNN and ABC will make a hard run at picking up her contract. Uh, So I I think you and I have a lot of places we want to go with this conversation. So let's just dive right into talking about it. Sure. The the first thing I would say is that uh, what is somebody's time worth? It's very hard if you think about kind of a traditional profession like teaching or accounting Mm -hmm. to walk in the door and say, I'm worth thousands of those folks. And I don't think anybody would really mean their time is, is, is worth that in the same way. But... The market price for highly scalable superstar models clears at extremely high prices. And I think that that's just uh, the winner-take-all model that media has gone to. If I were her, I'd be asking for at least uh, $20 million a year, too. Yeah, so look, that's exactly what I thought. I think part of the people instinctively say, like, oh, this girl's just on TV. How hard is her job? And she's going to get paid $25 million per year. But look, I think the trend in media is superstars deserve bigger cuts of the pie. If I think of... Fox News is uh, the rumor is they make one to one point five billion dollars in profit per year. If Megyn Kelly is one of the faces of Fox News, why should Fox get all that profit? Why shouldn't she take a big profit? And as you're saying, if competitors are willing to pay it, that is the market clearing price for her. Why? Why shouldn't she the, get that? The same things happening happening in acting exactly uh, where and, I was supposed to go. and especially at the high end, it's what drives the audience. It really makes the marginal difference. Yep. Like nobody says, you know, that third scene with the extra. I went to the movie because of that they went for. A it's a Will Smith movie. Yep. Uh, number and, and and Will Smith, like he doesn't need to be ten times as funny. He needs to be one percent funnier. But he's still the best for that and, role, and you go because of it. And then the other thing is like Taylor Swift. You know, she's going to make fifty, a hundred million dollars or something this year. And people say, oh, how ridiculous is that? And to me, like. Why shouldn't Taylor Swift be one of – why is she not underpaid? Like if you think about who's got a bigger influence over American culture than – I see you're kind of smiling and giggling. But who's got a bigger influence over American culture than Taylor Swift, Beyonce? Like these people are brands in and of themselves. They drive hundreds of million dollars in record sales, concert sales, all this sort of stuff. Like I think they're going to continue capturing larger slices of this pie. She comes up as the analogy in this office well, more I, frequently than one would guess. I do love Taylor Swift. So uh, before we go to the next thing I want to talk sure. about here, I'm just going to mention, I think we're both agreed, like combined, maybe we've got 30 minutes of Fox News watching in our lives between mm-hmm. the two of us. Uh, and look, it's not like I'm some crazy liberal. I don't think I've watched a minute of MSNBC in our life. Uh, but I, I think the natural next place to go, and even the, art, the Wall Street Journal article kind of hints at it, is... Is Trump TV a threat to Fox News? And I'll I'll let you kick it off. I think it might be. Um, I uh, almost every day I get accused of taking marching orders from Fox News. I've literally never sat down 
and watched a whole show. I mean, it's probably been on in the room that I've kind of walked through. I'm from Louisiana, and whenever I go to the gym, there's always Fox News on mute at the gym. So I, I, I might have seen some of that. But, but, yeah. but, I mean, that's about the extent of it. Literally, I think combined, we're under half an hour. So at least in terms of kind of uh, free market type economists that are readers and writers, it's not that big a topic. If, if Trump uh, TV uh, came in and kind of hacked off kind of the lower right quadrant of the American politics uh, and political base, I think it could have a big effect. Yeah, so look, Fox News is the most watched cable network. Uh, I think they get about 3 million viewers per year, which is small when you compare it to all of America, but it's quite large when you think about like a passionate core Republican base. And Fox News, when they had uh, fights with Donald Trump, specifically Megyn Kelly had fights with him over the, uh, his debate performance, the Republican primaries, Fox News's brand actually took a big hit among Republicans. And I think they're just right for uh, a Trump TV network to take a lot of their viewers. And look, if I just said, hey, there's this guy who's very popular among all of your subscribers, and his two main advisors are A, someone who runs one of the biggest alt-right uh, media networks out there, Breitbart, Steve Bannon. And he, one of his uh, senior advisors is the guy who used to run Fox News, Roger Ailes. I think, yeah, he's probably gearing up to launch a TV network. I, I think so. Um, these are these are TV guys. Uh, their their uh, audience are TV uh, made up of TV watchers, um, and it'll be interesting to see. It'll be very interesting to see uh, both uh, how uh, ABC comes back and to see how CNN comes back. CNN around the same time might become independent or might end up with a different owner, mm-hmm. uh, depending on if it simplifies AT and T's acquisition uh, for uh, Time Warner yeah, it's to separate a, it out. It's an interesting thought of AT. AT&T, Time Warner are kind of spinning out CNN or selling it as a standalone. Maybe they want a big name like Megyn Kelly to come over and kind of shore up the network as an independent. Mm-hmm. Last thing I want to talk about here, uh, and I'll let you dive into it, but you know, a long-term threat to Fox News is probably Trump TV. But I think there's even a longer-term threat to Fox News, Trump TV, and the Republican Party in general. And I'll let you kind of start talking about because I think you know where I'm going. Uh, demographics on, t- on two or three uh, dynamics. I mean, the most clear is... Uh, the the age a lot of the success of those organizations are is 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 uh, premised upon seventy year olds uh, mm-hmm. surviving much longer than uh, with all due respect to seventy year olds than the actuarial tables indicates they will survive. Yep. So half of Fox News viewers are over sixty eight, and you know the Republican Party in general, tr- Trump supporters are generally older white males. I think there was a chart you sent around that Hillary Clinton, he would she would blow Donald Trump away if the Electoral College was only decided by millennial voters. Uh, she'd win like 47 states. Now it's not, but you know what happens four years from now, a lot of those 70 year olds, not a lot, but some of those 70 year olds will die and there will be a couple more young people who can vote. And those demographic trends are very much against the Republican Party right now. And it's interesting to think like, how do they reverse those trends? Because I don't think Donald Trump's rhetoric does it. Oh, go ahead. Yes. Uh, then the second demographic uh, headwind is it's uh, very white, whiter than the mm-hmm. country. Uh, so it doesn't have the fastest growing groups from both immigration uh, and the fastest growing groups in terms of family growth. Uh, so this is kind of an ossified old white uh, demography. Um, and then related to that, it's a kind of a specific uh, type of uh, older white, which is in areas uh, that are less 
um, multicultural, economically vibrant, growing, uh, progressive in the social sense. Mm-hmm. So you kind of combine that, and it's hard to see how uh, that uh, does well in the future over the long term. And, you know, I think we're going to talk about it in our next segment, so why don't we just move on to our next segment, sure. and we can kind of follow up on those demographics thoughts. So our next segment, uh, pollsters and believing in made-up conspiracy theories. So Chapman University runs a poll, a poll called What Aren't They Telling Us? And they ask Americans if they think the cover- government is covering up for a variety of things. So, you know, they say, hey, is the government covering up something about the 9-11 attacks? Are they covering up something about the JFK assassination? And the results are actually really striking. So 54% of people think the government's covering up something about the 9-11 attacks. 50% think they're covering up something up about the JFK assassination. Uh, significant minorities think more than a third of people think the government is concealing something about plans for a one world government, stuff on global warming, Obama's birth certificate. And I think it's about 25% even think they're covering up something on moon landings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we want to really start talking about is they also ask the question, do you think the government is covering up something on the North Dakota crash? And uh, one third of people said, yes, absolutely. They're covering up something on the North Dakota crash. And the thing is, as far as the both the pollsters and we know, there is no such thing as the North Dakota crash. It was just something they threw in there to see how susceptible to thinking the government's covering something up are, and a third of people did. So I'm going to let you start. We'll talk about a lot of things, but let's start. Just how flipping crazy is this? It's a great question. It really gets to something. And I, and I should say, I, I used to write uh, doing uh, some political polling and analysis questions uh, back when I was in college. And one of the things you really discover is if you ask a question that a person's not always already thinking about, one, they're going to answer, and two, there's no information content in mm-hmm. it whatsoever. So you have to be very questioned to lead up to actually soften people's willingness to say, I don't know. Uh, in this case, you know, North Dakota, it's a state that almost everybody's heard of, but not necessarily uh, know that much about. <laughs> no, I mean, you're probably not from about, there. Yeah. You can't name a large number of people. You don't have a lot of North Dakota context. So you kind of feel ambivalent about saying, huh? But at the same time, uh, you, it's not one where, you know, if you asked about, you know, the, the Manhattan crash, a lot of people would know that that wasn't referring mm-hmm. to something uh, specific. Uh, yeah. So, so, so it gets a huge number of answers. Obviously, the the, the data is bunk, but it's it's interesting in terms of people's willingness to uh, to to sound like they're engaged by answering questions that are nonsense. Yeah. So, look, it was just a crazy number to me. A third of people believing that the government's covering up this made up crash. It just shows a big mistrust of government. And there are two things uh, I kind of took away from it. One, I think you'll dive into this in a second. A second, the sensationalism aspect. Mm-hmm. But it, one thing I took into it was the poll also started running down and saying like. Who is likely to believe the government is conspiratorial? And one thing they said is white male Republicans with lower income levels and lower education levels are much more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. They were much more likely to believe the government's against them. They're much more likely to believe in the North Dakota thing. And again, who are Donald Trump supporters to kind of come back to our first segment? It tends to be lower income, uh, lower education older white males. I, I think I mentioned this specifically Republicans tended to believe in more conspiracy theories. And if you go look at Donald Trump's uh, Twitter, Twitter right now, like there are a lot of conspiracy theories being pointed out there. So he clearly knows who he's appealing to and who his base is. So I, I just thought the overlap was here and it really explained a lot of what's going on in politics to me today. I, I would say, uh, speaking personally, that if I believed in any of these conspiracy theories, which I have not to, that would be a huge upgrade for my view of the public sector's ability yeah. to keep secrets. I mean, two examples recently. Uh, uh, the afternoon that the Pentagon felt that they had to go to the Senate to reveal that they had totally tapped in 
to the Al-Qaeda cell phone network, yeah. a senator went literally straight to a microphone and said, great news, we've tapped into the cell phone <laughs> network, and just went right on media and just started talking about yeah. this. And it was, and you just saw the whole network just die. I mean, just minutes <laughs> Immediately. later. Immediately. And then, and then more recently, um, somebody uh, who uh, lives in the Naval Observatory went right on television and said, we're going to go get those Russian counter, uh, those hackers with some counter hacking. Uh, and, and kind of just started talking about yeah. this. And stuff. all the Russian computers immediately go <laughs> This away. is all sense of and so, yeah. you know, we usually find out within minutes uh, of uh, – usually within the White House, always if the Senate knows something. Yeah. Look, and uh, they, they, they release it right away. I, I'm sure there are some secrets that the top levels of government keep. But, you know, the, these large, like, pulling the wool over the nation's eyes things, I, I just think the government couldn't launch – healthcare.gov or right. whatever when they were trying to launch the exchanges like how is a how is a group of people who can't launch a website going to keep these like year long conspiracy theories from the entire population like there's just no way they there's can no keep way. this sort of stuff uh, you want to talk about the sensationalism sure I mean two aspects of this too that I bring up one is people love and are much better off at thinking in terms of allegories than statistics mm-hmm. and when people want to opine on a country with over 300 million people a world with over 7 billion people based on their own experience that's not based on data and science and empiricism uh, they usually say you know things that are vivid and recent you know Somebody who has experience with crime will say it's terrible that crime's up so much. Actually, crime is down quite a bit in mm-hmm. this country, but um, but it just doesn't feel like that to them. Uh, and one of my favorite examples of this is if you look at uh, leading causes of death in uh, the uh, uh, morbidity uh, in the developed world versus the leading cause of death uh, between fiction and nonfiction, and you look specifically at Shakespearean plays, um, all of the leading causes of death, uh, especially for men in the first world, are boring. It's, you know, kind of, are, you know, arterial blockage. Uh, you know, you have these uh, these things that are kind of internal and subtle and take a long time to kill you. Shakespeare uh, stabbings. Yeah. Bear maulings, <laughs> being ripped apart by mobs, being buried to the neck and starving, uh, snake bites, biggie. And these are things that are much more nightmarish. They're easier to think about. And so they're, uh, the, the prevalence of these things, and then if you look at the conspiracy theories, aliens and assassination cover-ups, these are exciting things. They just aren't that statistically relevant to what's actually happening. Yeah, and, and you know, I just wanted to, you started talking a little bit there about, you know, if you've seen crime recently, you might think crime's going way up, even mm-hmm. though the statistics are against you. And, you know, as investors, I think one thing that we'll see is somebody will talk to us or we'll talk to someone and be like, hey, we're really looking at this company. We think uh, it's an interesting investment prospect. And they'll be like, oh, that company sells fast food. Like nobody eats fast food anymore. And a lot of times it's, no, it's not no one eats fast food anymore. It's you don't eat fast food. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying demographics and health headwinds and everything aren't against fast food, but just because you don't eat something or, you know, Bill Ackman, when he was looking at Mondelez, uh, mm-hmm. his investment committee, a lot of people were worried he'd turn it down because he is famously very against refined sugars. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, just because you are, and hey, I think refined sugars are awful. I try to avoid them, even though I do love some cookies and stuff. But just because you're against them does not mean the majority of people are, or that it's a bad investment decision. You need to be thinking at, 
for other people as a whole, you know, just because we don't use Snapchat doesn't mean teenagers don't use it. And it's not widely, it's not widely valuable and not widely used. So, uh, I'll let you, we've got 30 seconds if you want, we can end it here. Do you have any last points or anything? You I would just say? like to ask, uh, we normally ask if you have any feedback for us, uh, please email it to us at podcast at rangelycapital.com. I'd also add if anyone has any leads on the North Dakota crash conspiracy <laughs> cover up, you know, we have, uh, we have listeners from all over the world yep. and I believe in every state in the country except so for you, north dakota you, you might you might have uh, seen something uh, strange maybe south dakotans like the north dakotans might be keeping mum but the south dakotans kind of can look over the border and yeah. see something give us the Please real inside there yeah I, look i agree with you completely uh all right, that's all the time we have for today. Chris mentioned it. If you have any feedback for us, please feel free to email it to us at podcast at rangelycapital.com. Uh, disclosure, Chris, none for me. I think the only thing we mentioned really was Fox and Mondelez at the end. I don't think we, none for Chris either. Uh, that's all the time we have for today, and we'll talk to you guys. You want to say something? I have nothing to disclose, but I might be covering it up. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week.